Drift is made possible by Sierrasil Joint Formula 14, a natural anti-inflammatory for joint pain with a money-back guarantee. See the details at sierrasil.com, S-I-E-R-R-A-S-I-L.com, and use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Hello, I'm Erin, and welcome to Drift. Thank you for letting me help put you into a happy place, a place of sweet endings and gentle tales to take your mind off your worries just for a bit and to usher you into sweet dreams with Prince Hyacinth and the Dear Little Princess by Madame Le Prince de Beaumont from the Blue Fairy Book. We'd like to thank my sleep sisters, Kathy and Kim, two RNs who founded Envy Pillow and make this podcast possible. I first found Envy Pillow many years ago. I was suffering stress neck pain. But Envy Pillow is the certified natural pillow infused with antimicrobial collagen boosting copper. Learn more in the morning at Envy Pillow. That is E N V Y Pillow.com and use the code DRIFT for 10% off. Just before we get into this fairy tale, I'd like you to take in a deep breath, counting one, two, three, four, holding, and now exhale, but to six. One, two, three, four, five, six. And again, inhale, one, two, three, four, holding, And now exhale. One, two, three, four, five, six. Good. Let's get your body ready to take in this wonderful story. If you would, just start to feel heavy in your bed, lying there or sitting in your chair, letting your limbs feel heavy, your ankles releasing their hold, and the same for your wrists. If you're able, wiggle your fingers and toes as though you're letting all of the day's activities escape. Now your calves and your thighs. Let them sink deeply into your bed, your chair, wherever you are. Oh, maybe even a hammock. Wouldn't that be nice? Gently rocking, rocking. Now move up your body and feel your hips release. Your backside sinking more deeply. Can you feel your heart beating, bringing life to that beautiful body of yours? And now to your shoulders. Drop them down so they no longer hold the tension of the day. And your neck. Breathe in and let it take a break from holding up that busy head of yours. Let your jaw hang limp. Are your eyes closed? Do your lids feel heavy? Good. Even your eyebrows and forehead, let them relax too. And with one more deep breath in and out. Just think these words. I am safe. I am loved. 
I am at peace. And if you're ready, let's drift. Once upon a time, there lived a king who was deeply in love with a princess, but she could not marry anyone because she was under a spell. So the king set out to seek a fairy and asked what he could do to win the princess's love. Here's what the fairy said to him. You know that the princess has a great cat, which she is very fond of. Whoever is clever enough to catch that cat's tail is the man she is destined to marry. Well, the king said to himself, this wouldn't be very difficult, and he left the fairy, determined to catch the cat by its tail. You may imagine that it was not long before he went to see the princess, and her cat, as usual, marched in before him, arching his back. The king took a long step and quite thought he had grabbed its tail, but the cat turned around so sharply that he only grabbed air. And so it went on for eight days, till the king began to think that this darn tail must be a mirage or quicksilver, for it was never still for a moment. At last, though, he was lucky enough to come upon Puss fast asleep and with his tail conveniently spread out. So the king, without losing a moment, snatched the tail in his hand. With one terrific yell, the cat sprang up and instantly changed into a tall man who, fixing his angry eyes upon the king, said, You shall marry the princess because you have been able to break the spell, but I will have my revenge. You shall have a son who will never be happy until he finds out that his nose is too long. And if you ever tell anyone what I have just said to you, you shall vanish away instantly, and no one shall ever see you or hear of you again. Though the king was horribly afraid of the spell, he could not help laughing at this threat. The enchanter vanished, and the king did not waste any more time in thinking, but went to seek the princess, who very soon consented to marry him. Now, they had not been married very long when the king died, and the queen had no one left to care for but her little son, who was called Hyacinth. The little prince had large blue eyes, the prettiest eyes in the world, with a sweet little mouth. But alas, his nose was so enormous that it covered half his face. The queen was inconsolable when she saw this great nose, but her ladies assured her that it was not really as large as it looked that it was a Roman nose, and you had only to open any history book to see that every hero has a large nose. The queen, 
who was devoted to her baby, was pleased with what they told her. And when she looked at Hyacinth again, his nose certainly did not seem to her to be quite so large. The prince was brought up with great care, and as soon as he could speak, they told him all sorts of dreadful stories about people who had short noses. No one was allowed to come near him whose nose did not, more or less, resemble his own. And the courtiers, to get into favor with the queen, took to pulling their babies' noses several times a day to make them grow long. But do what they would, they were nothing by comparison with the princes. When he grew sensible, he learned history, and whenever any great prince or beautiful princess was spoken of, his teachers took extra care to tell him that they had long noses. His room was hung with pictures, all of people with very large noses, and the prince grew up so convinced that a long nose was a great beauty that he would not, on any account, have had his own a single inch shorter. When his twentieth birthday had passed, the queen thought it was time that he should be married. So she commanded that the portraits of several princesses should be brought for him to see, and among the others was a picture of the dear little princess. Who was she? She was the daughter of a great king, and would some day possess several kingdoms herself. But Prince Hyacinth paid no mind to anything of that sort. He was so struck with her beauty. The princess, whom he thought quite charming, had, however, a little button nose, which, in her face, was the prettiest thing possible but it was a cause of great embarrassment to the courtiers, who had gotten into such a habit of laughing at little noses, that they sometimes found themselves laughing at hers before they had time to think. This upset the prince, who thought she was beautiful in every way. The others, taking warning from this, learned to think twice before they spoke, and one even went so far as to tell the prince that, though it was quite true, that although no man could be worth anything unless he had a long nose, a woman's beauty was a different thing. And he knew a learned man who understood Greek and had read in some old manuscripts that the beautiful Cleopatra had a sizable nose herself. The prince gave him a splendid present as a reward for this good news, and at once sent ambassadors to ask the dear little princess's hand in marriage. The king, her father, gave his consent, and so did she, of course, and Prince Hyacinth who in his anxiety to see the princess had gone ten miles to meet her, 
was just advancing to kiss her hand when, to the horror of all who stood by, the enchanter, that tall man who had shown up before Prince Hyacinth was even born, appeared as suddenly as a flash of lightning, and snatching up the dear little princess, whirled her away out of their sight. The prince was inconsolable and declared that he would not return home until he had found her again. Refusing to allow any of his courtiers to follow him, he mounted his horse and rode sadly away, letting the animal choose his own path. So it happened that he came eventually to a great plain, across which he rode all day long without seeing a single house. The horse and rider were terribly hungry when, as night fell, the prince caught sight of a light which seemed to shine from a cavern. He rode up to it and saw a little old woman who appeared to be at least a hundred years old. She put on her spectacles to look at Prince Hyacinth, but it was quite a long time before she could fix them securely, because her nose was so short. The prince and the fairy, for that was who the little woman was, had no sooner looked at one another than they went into fits of laughter and cried out at the same moment, Oh, what a funny nose! Not so funny as your own, said Prince Hyacinth to the fairy. But, madam, do be good enough to give me something to eat, for I am starving, and so is my poor horse. With all my heart, said the fairy, though your nose is so ridiculous, you are, nevertheless, the son of my best friend. I loved your father, the king, as if he had been my brother. Now he had a very handsome nose. And pray, what does mine lack? said the prince. Oh, it doesn't lack anything. On the contrary, there is too much of it. But never mind, one may be a very worthy man, though his nose is too long. I was telling you that I was your father's friend. He often came to see me in the old times, and you should know that I was very pretty in those days. I should like to tell you of a conversation we had the last time I ever saw him. Indeed, said the prince. Perhaps once I've eaten? Oh, yes, said the fairy. Come in, then, and I will give you supper. And while you're eating, I can tell you my story. For despite what you see that I am now, I was the daughter of a great king. My father, your father, I dare say, got something to eat when he was hungry, interrupted the prince. Oh, certainly, answered the fairy, and you also shall have supper directly. 
I only just wanted to tell you. But I really cannot listen to anything until I have had something to eat, cried the prince, who was getting quite angry. But then, remembering that he had better be polite, as he very much needed the fairy's help, he added, I know that in the pleasure of listening to you I should quite forget my own hunger, but my horse, who cannot hear you, really must be fed. The fairy was very much flattered by this compliment, and said, calling to her servants, You shall not wait another minute. You are so polite, and in spite of the enormous size of your nose, you are really very agreeable. Oh, said the prince to himself, how the old woman does go on about my nose. If I were not so hungry, I would just as soon be done with this chatterbox, who thinks she talks very little. How stupid people are not to see their own faults. That comes from being a princess. She has been spoiled by flatterers, who have made her believe that she is quite a moderate talker. Meanwhile, the servants were putting the supper on the table and the prince was much amused to hear the fairy, who asked them a thousand questions, simply for the pleasure of hearing herself speak. One maid in particular, who, no matter what was being said, always tried to praise her mistress's wisdom, caught his attention. Well, he thought, as he ate his supper, I'm very glad I came here. This just shows me how sensible I have been in never listening to flatterers. People of that sort praise us to our faces without shame and hide our faults or change them into virtues. <laughs> For my part, I never will be taken in by them. I know my own defects, I hope. Poor Prince Hyacinth he really believed what he said, and hadn't any idea that the people who had praised his nose were laughing at him, just as the fairy's maid was laughing at her. For the prince had seen her laughing slyly when she could do so without the fairy's noticing her. However, he said nothing. And then, when his hunger began to be appeased, the fairy said, My dear prince, might I beg you to move a little more that way? For your nose casts such a shadow that I really cannot see what I have on my plate. Ah, thanks. Now, let us speak of your father. When I went to his court, he was only a little boy. But that was forty years ago, and I have been in this desolate place ever since. Tell me what goes on nowadays. Are the ladies as fond of amusement as ever? In my time, one saw them at parties, theaters, balls, and promenades every day. Dear me, what a long nose you have! I really cannot get used to it. Really, madam, said the prince, 
I wish you would stop mentioning my nose. It cannot matter to you what it is like. I am quite satisfied with it and have no wish to have it shorter. One must take what one is given. Now you are angry with me, my poor Hyacinth, said the fairy, and I assure you that I didn't mean to vex you. On the contrary, I wished to do you a service. However, though I really cannot help your nose being a shock to me, I will try to say nothing about it. I will even try to think that you have an ordinary nose. To tell the truth, it would make three reasonable ones. The prince, who was no longer hungry, grew so fed up at the fairy's continual remarks about his nose that at last he threw himself upon his horse and rode hastily away. But wherever he came in his journeyings, he thought the people were mad, for they all talked about his nose, and yet he could not bring himself to admit that it was too long. He had been so used all his life to hearing it called handsome. The old fairy, who wished to make him happy, at last hit upon a plan. She shut the dear little princess up in a palace of crystal and put this palace down where the prince would not fail to find it. His joy at seeing the princess again was extreme, and he set to work with all his might to try to break her prison. But in spite of all his efforts, he failed utterly. In despair, he thought at least he would try to get near enough to speak to the dear little princess, who, on her part, stretched out her hand so that he might kiss it. But turn which way he might, he could never raise it to his lips, for his long nose always prevented it. For the first time, he realized how long it really was, and exclaimed, Well, I'll be darned. I guess my nose is too long. Well, do you know, in an instant, the crystal prison flew into a thousand splinters, and the old fairy, taking the dear little princess by the hand, said to Prince Hyacinth, Now, Say if you are not very much obliged to me. Much good it was for me to talk to you about your nose. You never would have found out how extraordinary it was if it hadn't hindered you from doing what you wanted to do. You see how self-love keeps us from knowing our own defects of mind and body our reason tries in vain to show them to us. We refuse to see them till we find them in the way of our interests. Prince Hyacinth, whose nose was now just like anyone else's, did not fail to learn the lesson that he had received. He married the dear little princess, 
And, of course, they lived happily ever after. And that is the story of Prince Hyacinth, winner by a nose, and the dear little princess. And with that, I will wish you a good night and sweet dreams. <laughs>